What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Meaning of Podcast. I am Ace. This is RV3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite filmmakers' movies and a deeper meaning that they get into in those movies. And this episode's gonna be a good one, guys, because we're continuing our Black History Month theme throughout the month of February, and we're gonna be talking about Steve McQueen, the famous director of 12 Years a Slave, but he also did two other films that most people don't really know about but I'm a big fan of, and I think he's a genius filmmaker. That's right, I said genius filmmaker. So we're going to be getting into his films. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to be reading your comments from last week's episode. And last week's episode was fire, bro. (laughs) We did did Black History Month, Black Cinema in general. Um, Yeah, I didn't didn't do like the best. No, it did it. (laughs) uh, No, I think we did. uh, I think it was good. Great conversation. Hey, man, I think we learned a lot from you, RB3. I think we learned that you can eventually be a professor of cinematic arts. Cinematic arts. Now, I don't know about all that, but I I have a pretty decent amount of information about, you know, old cinema and stuff. And I know for me, personally, there's there's a teacher at USC, there's a dude, uh, Todd Boyd. He's like the, they call him like the black Drew Casper. Drew Casper is like the biggest film professor in the world. But he, you know, they call him also the notorious PhD. That guy is my big inspiration for a professor because all he does is references like hip hop music, all that kind of shit. If I was ever a professor, we'd be listening to fucking like Kanye all day. Yeah, but if you were um, a professor like 40 years from now, it's going to be like trap, dubstep, remix. That's yeah. what hip hop's oh, going to be. Yeah. And it's, well, it's going to be like, <laughs> like yeah. crazy white people with dreads jumping around. Oh, yeah. And you're going to yeah, be yeah, talking yeah. about Kanye and they're going to be looking at you like you're talking about some weird ancient <laughs> alien. <laughs> it's like, Kanye? Kanye, what, what? is that? Yeah, We're listening know. to Super Jump, Trap, Hip, Dubstep, Trip, Hip Hop, Pop, Poppity Pop. <laughs> and it's like this weird <laughs> hip hop mix. Speaking <laughs> of hip hop, uh, did you hear that uh, Black Panther? Uh, oh album? my gosh. No, so l- l- let me tell you. I'm, I'm, I was, I started it. I'm halfway through it because it's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs. Like Fourteen tracks. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm about halfway through it, so I'm about eight in, about nine mm-hmm. or eight in, and I'm, I'm, I'm vibing, dude. I'm yeah. digging it so much. I don't know yeah. what you think about it, but I'm just like, I listened to like part of it like in the car and at work, mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, this is this is crazy, dude. I'm about to get up out of my chair right now. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's dope. Yeah. It's Dope, dope. It's really good. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm gotta be honest, man. I, I love Black Panther the movie. This app, this album. I'm having a hard time distinguishing what's better between the movie. Oh, and, okay. And I was gonna album, say, man. bro. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say pretty, something else. Oh no, no, no. This album's pretty remarkable. I mean, we'll talk about it next because next week we're doing Ryan Coogler. That's as right. Our, as our subject, and we're talking about Black Panther. Black Panther for which you. I will eventually see because you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know some critics have seen it like twice. Look, I've only seen it once. People. Um, see, I'm, be I'm, it again I'm happy with, with the rest of the. I would happy to see it once, man. I'd be happy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about that, and we, I, I dig it, man. I think it's cool. My album is is you know it's funny too. It it doesn't even really play like a movie soundtrack. It mm-hmm. plays more as just like a straight up album, mm-hmm. um, and it's is really exciting. There's a handful of tracks that are actually in the movie. Most of them aren't, mm-hmm. um, as per expected for any movie soundtrack, I guess. But it's it's remarkable. So I saw a clip of, because uh, I follow John Boyega on Instagram. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do, but yeah. he's dope on Instagram. But he was putting a clip of like the London premiere of Black Panther. I think it was London. Mm-hmm. But um, they were like blasting that album full blast before playing the movie. Yeah. And everyone was like out of their chairs and like yeah. vibing and stuff. And I'm like, yo, that's that's a premiere. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's, what's that one song in there, Paramedic? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. hottest song on that album. And they have like three, there's like three hot songs back to back. They have Paramedic, yeah. Bloody Water, and then King's Dead, which you already heard. Oh. But that that's what nah, I listened to, that first half. Mm-hmm. That's th- those are the back to backs that I got. Yeah, so yeah. So th- that's yeah. why I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like straight up like you're in a club right now. This oh, is dog. crazy. I'm surprised like Disney even let that like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, cause they rapping about some real, like, like the the bloody water track with, with Absol. Like, he's rapping about uh, the Ralphs. Like, by like, I know where he's th- he's rapping about. Like in Carson and Compton. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, this is this this hot right here. You yeah. know what I mean? So this is fire. See, that's why, man. I, I like I like letting creativity happen, and I like letting different things happen within studios and systems that are so set in stone like a marvel like a disney and they still let something different come up Mm -hmm. that's why all the criticism that they get which some of it is deserved but in this case i feel like they're really going for something different and the more and more i feel about it man because i watched a lot of espn over the last few weeks Mm -hmm. because i'm keeping up with basketball like crazy Mm -hmm. but the more i like see ads for it and stuff the more i'm like yo this movie is gonna make probably more than what I expected it to make. Probably yeah. more than what even you expected it to make. Yeah. I mean, I, I made the bold prediction, 160 million. 160. And I, and I was with you with 160, but now yeah. I'm like, yo, 160 is seeming like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. more looking like more 170, 180, yeah. 185. is like, a real possibility. Like, I'm starting to see, like, a huge, huge box office. Like, I'm talking top two of the year box office type thing. Mm. But I might be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, but uh, I'm excited. No, I'm for excited it. for it. I'm excited because I'm gonna see it this week. No, it's definitely grabbing people. I mean, a lot of my friends who have who don't care about Marvel movies, never seen an MCU movie in the theater, are like, "Yo, we're seeing this." Oh, dude, I'm I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing some people, some specifically some people I work with, who are like, do not do like Marvel movies, do not do superhero movies at all, mm-hmm. and they're hyped for this movie. So yeah. it's it's gonna reach a bigger audience than what. Most Marvel movies do, in my oh, opinion. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, so, absolutely. With that said, let's read some of your comments, guys, from last week's episode. Once again, we appreciate your comments. Please leave us comments. It's the best way to connect with us. It's the best way to support us. It's the best way to show us what you're thinking and what you're feeling about certain topics or certain directors. We do read your recommendations. And speaking of recommendations, uh, Gabe Shem. Shem Barger, sorry if I butchered your name, says, Hey guys, love the show. When are you going to do a Christopher Nolan episode? The great Christopher Nolan, who's Nolan. one of my favorite directors working today, if not my favorite director working today. One of them. He's, he's definitely in my top five working today. But uh, yeah, yeah, when are we doing a Christopher Nolan? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I mean, I don't know if... I, I we, mean, he we, did your favorite movie of that last of year. Dunkirk, yeah. yeah. So we talked about Dunkirk at a pretty good length. You know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, I don't know. We, that's we going to be a big th- episode. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot. You know, I was... I was I don't know. We haven't talked about this mm-hmm. off camera, but um, I was thinking maybe for when Oscar season comes up, that whole uh, month Mar- of March, March, we just cover like all the Oscar nominated directors. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, we've been sleeping on PTA for a while. We've been sleeping on Nolan That's for a right. while. Who else is nominated? We already did. Well, well Jordan Peele and, and Greta Gerwig. Yeah, we kind of talked about yeah. them a lot. Because uh, they both have one film. Only one film, yeah. yeah. Um, who else is nominated? Uh, PT- uh, Guillermo. Oh, Guillermo. We already we did, did Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah, so we could do PTA and then... And Nolan after and Nolan, that. yeah. Those yeah. are two huge episodes. Yeah, yeah, We could yeah. even do both of them for the month, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you have two-parter for PTA, two-parter for Nolan. Yeah, yeah. If you I want. Mean, I'm, I'm game if you're game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, And we have to do an Oscar episode maybe sometime prediction. Oh, that's right. We do have to do that. I, we, yeah. I don't even know if we want to do that like... Before or after the Oscars, or maybe yeah. before and after the Oscars. 
That's a because because one for predictions, one for like seeing if we got the predictions right and seeing how the Oscars went. Right, right. right. Uh, what comes out the week after the Oscars? Is like that what movie? Re, re, yeah, Wrinkle uh, in Time. Does Wrinkle in Time come out? I think uh, Ready Player One. Uh, Ready Player One or or the Tomb Raider movie because that comes oh, out right. on my birthday, which is March sixteenth. Oh, okay. And Tomb okay. Raider comes out March sixteenth, so I think that's the one. It might be. It might be more though. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, if we, I mean, for Wrinkle in Time, hypothetically, do Ava Oh, Duvernay. yeah. We totally can do that. Yeah. See, yeah. we have too many ideas yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened how, to Nolan and PTA? See, this, is, this, is, this is how, like, our, like, episode breakdowns always end up. Yeah. Like, we, we usually argue throughout the entire week, like, trying to figure out, like... And then we always talk about, yo, that episode's going to be huge, and then it gets, like, no fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, Alexander Payne, though. Yeah. We thought we should have gone on that. Yeah, we you know, Alexander Payne's the shit. Yeah. Everybody's going to love that. No. Nobody saw it. <laughs> Nobody saw that. Hey, man, it's a great episode. It's a great episode, though, yeah. Um, Lupe Justinini or Justini, uh, Justinian Ooh, says, uh, please come back, Steve McQueen. His longtime editor said they've been working on something. I assume Widows or Windows recently. Please, please, please come back. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Steve McQueen. And, yeah. uh, he is working on a new movie uh, currently. He's also um, doing a Tupac documentary. If that's I'm right. Too, he right? is. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was a. Uh, I saw that, and I wasn't sure if that came out already, but apparently it hasn't come out. Mm-hmm. So, um, really cool to see that we're doing him today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, who always, Laura, you know, longtime supporter, says on Spike Lee. Let me just say, if it wasn't for, if it's not for his film, this one random white girl, I guarantee wouldn't have read the autobiography of Mike, Malcolm X. Uh, for the pleasure it was in eighth grade, that film had a cultural impact that cannot be measured. Yeah, Malcolm X was a was an interesting because I felt like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King is just such a name that everyone grows up with, but mm. Malcolm X is a little bit more of a X factor. What? No, whoa, Ooh, whoa! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, he's more of like a guy. He's a little bit more of like an unknown versus a Martin Luther King within outside the African American community. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because outside the African American community, you ask. Ask the average person, what did Malcolm X do? Who was he? What did he accomplish? All that. Most people would be like, uh, the Black Panthers guy. Yeah. Like, most people wouldn't know too much mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely, you know, a lot of people, he was perceived a lot more as, like, radical, which really he's mm-hmm. not. Um, he, he really advocated for self-defense. A lot of people misinterpret that as advocating for violence. Um, that's not the case. And um, But... Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people have a harder time incorporating him into the history. And it's also because... His approach early on, before he went to, um, before he he did his whole like uh, pilgrimage and and like rediscovered himself, um, you know, before rediscovering himself as as a you know with Islam and everything, he was more like hating. He hated white people a lot more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just in his writings and in his speeches and stuff. So. And there's even the scene. I mean, we're gonna talk about Malcolm X and, and uh, the movie and, and, and another time this month. But there's that scene in there where he uh, he was on the college campus and like the little uh, the the white woman had like came up to him and said, oh, "I'm a big fan of your stuff. I'm really open to supporting." Um, it, and then he basically says like, and he basically just shoes her away. You know, says you know, wait, like it, what you, what you can help is by like leaving me alone essentially. And that's the attitude that he that he had a lot early on in his career. So having him. As a director, I mean, sorry, not as a director, but as a public figure, um, a lot more people had a lot more animosity towards him. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting because you you get a lot of introductions of new autobiographical characters like a Malcolm X from a director like Spike Lee. So mm-hmm. it's always it's always positive to see 
I love directors who can tackle moments in histories that you might not get in other aspects, if that makes any sense. Right, right, I, right. I love people who make movies that are like from a historical perspective, mm-hmm. and you can appreciate that coming to life in a different way than from reading it in a book, mm-hmm. I guess, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. And I think Spike Lee accomplishes that with Malcolm X for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without so, a doubt. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's jump into Steve McQueen, who um, is a British director. Um, he's a director that I've... You know what's funny? He got his fame through 12 Years a Slave, but I've been a fan of this guy for a while. I, I, the, the one that got me on, on board with him was Shame. Because mm. I saw Shame when it, when it came out, when mm. essentially it came out. And Shame was one that for, when I first saw that movie, I was floored, floored, floored. Because I really did feel like it was such a crazy unraveling of a of a of a of a man spiraling downward within his addiction, mm-hmm. and it just it, it completely blew me away. Like the, the 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 style of the filmmaking, the way it was shot, the the the, the acting, the 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 long takes, the the still takes, the, all that stuff to me showed me what a great director was, and I didn't even know um, a lot about him at that point but to me steve mcqueen is one of those guys who i really do feel like he's on the come up of making some great great films because obviously 12 years a slave took over the oscars that year and it really did accomplish big things a lot of that was plan b productions obviously too mm-hmm. kind of promoting brad, pitt, brad right. pitt and um but i really do feel like this guy on a filmmaking standpoint he's like on another level and he's a true like come up from the indie world like he's a true indie director mm-hmm. Taking his indie style mm-hmm. into kind of the bigger sphere, but but overall, my opinion on the guy is I'm I'm genuinely like a fan of the guy, and I think he's great. I don't know what your opinions are of Steve McQueen. Yeah, no, I'm um, similar to you. First time I've heard of any of his movies was Shame. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily got directed it was Black or that he was. Me neither. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know, doing Twelve Years Slave obviously put him more on the map, put the face out there more. Uh, but yeah, Shame was my first introduction. I remember there was that big controversy when it came out um, by it being rated NC-17 mm. and by it being um, this huge, a lot of people said it was like a sex movie and all that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't watch it until like much later when it came on television. Um, but yeah, I mean, that movie is very grounded. I mean, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about more. it once yeah. we get to it. Yeah. Um, but it had, a, it had a very strong sense of style and it had a very like, pro- prominent message. Um, which carried over a lot into 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it carries on it, even his work before in, in Hunger as well. So mm-hmm. definitely has um, a very clear objective in the things that he's trying to say and a very composed style in the way he's telling it. Um, just speaking on the artistry of his films, the way he shoots, a lot of long takes, a lot, a lot of the, uh, like, making sure the audience is locked in and latched to whatever is being presented on screen as like a big facet of his and coming from i mean i know he has a background in the art world so in in, in art the whole idea of composition within a frame is um very crucial and i think he brings that a lot to the cinema that he presents yeah so. specifically with with the aspect of uh to me it's like that that it's not just one takes it's it's mm-hmm. like you just said like in the art world it's it's the ability to capture something within a frame and that's what he does so well in all his movies. He has mm-hmm. so many great, like, one single static shock. Mm-hmm. Like, one, one shot of, of just, it doesn't move. Kind of like one of my favorite movies of last year, which was A Ghost Story. Yeah. A Ghost Story had a lot. It's very indie when you see it. But mm-hmm. in indie movies, you just see a shot in a frame that doesn't move. The camera doesn't move for a good, like, 
three, five, ten minutes. Like, it just doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And he does that in a ton of his movies. And it, that's kind of like his MO. That's his style of filmmaking. And again, it, it's it's a very indie thing to do because it saves... Money. It saves money. Yeah. It really does. It saves yeah. money. It saves cots. It saves edits. It, it saves mm-hmm. a lot because you're just not worried about having to edit around a certain scene because you're just keeping the camera still mm-hmm. <laughs> and then having the actors act around it. And right. he did that in a lot of his movies. And I love that he keeps his indie style within pretty much all of his movies. And again, obviously, as an indie fan that I am, I appreciate the, the artistry that he brings into each and every one of his films. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, we're going to get into the films, but... If you want to see a master class, uh, if you want to see a, a, a master example, a master film edit of wh- why I think Michael Fassbender is one of the greatest working actors in Hollywood, watch his three films. Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave. All three of them, Michael Fassbender is just insane. Like I'm talking like goat level. I'm talking like, honestly, I think he's one of the greatest actors alive working mm-hmm. today it's he's up there with to me with um what's his name daniel day lewis mm-hmm. gary Ullman. i'm telling you michael fassbender's up there and if you if you don't believe me watch these three movies and watch michael fassbender develop as an actor from different types of acting whether it's physical whether it's just dialogue heavy whether it's emotional uh, it, it's just different aspects of acting. And I feel like his relationship with Steve McQueen, which obviously they have one mm-hmm. because they keep doing these movies together, is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think their trilogy of them making three movies together is just an example of, of working, what a director can do to an actor and what an actor can get challenged from from a director. Mm-hmm. I just think it's amazing what he does. And that's why I, I, I'm obsessed with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's partially because of these movies. Because when Shame came out and I saw Shame, I was like, Yo, who's that? That guy's amazing. Like, he's so good in that movie. He, he like, breaks my heart. He gets me mad. He makes me want to kill him. And he makes me want to hug him all at the same time. And I really do feel like that comes a lot from the director. And it's a very realistic style of acting that he brings. But yeah. I don't know why you why you making fun of me, RB3. No, I'm not making fun of you. Why, why, why? I gush about Michael Fassbender? No, you got to no, laugh no. at me, RB3? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm laughing at more of the fact. You know, you're talking about your first introduction to Shame. Yeah. Being like the profound actor. The first thing I thought when I saw Shame, I'm going to be honest, man. Damn, Michael Fassbender is hung like a motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> why does everyone got to go there? <laughs> why can't you see the movie as like a, a destruction of a human being? I know, I know. And a soul. Important, and and, and, and the man who's in desperate need of help Duh. doesn't get any help. <laughs> it just, it's distracting. You know what I mean? It's, when, when you got something that... It is It, it is a lot of... It is a lot of nudity in that film. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, man. There is. Because they, they, if they did it once, he'd be like, all right. All right, that was yeah. that was, and then they do it again, and you're like, all right, all right, we get it, and yeah. then they do it again, and you're like, all right, we get it, man. You 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 don't gotta keep doing that same shot. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, man, but they Mag- do it over and over again. Magneto, yeah. man, he's really he's really Magne- carrying, hey, Magneto yeah, he's is carrying a, a pipe down there. You there know he's I mean? uh, one of the most powerful mutants alive, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the hey, reason that's why. The <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but, but to me, like, I really do feel like watching those three films, you see. A development with him within him as an actor, mm. and and that's why you got to stop making fun of me, man. Stop making fun of me. Not making fun. No, I mean I I hundred percent agree in terms of Michael Fassbender. And, yeah. You know, particularly with his these three films. I mean, Hunger is very like dialogue heavy, um, whereas Shame is very uh, he's working a lot in silence. Mm-hmm. 
So but but that, that's what's so great, though, because yeah. you can see his acting. Well, mm-hmm. let, let's get into the movie. Let's start off, obviously, with Hunger. Hunger came out in 2008. That's crazy. 2008 yeah. is like, it gave us a lot of good movies, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, yeah. I didn't see it in 2008. I saw it a few years later. It actually has been a while, but I was rewatching it last night. Um, Hunger's crazy, man. Hunger, basically, the, the movie's about a 1981 hunger strike that takes place in an Irish prison. Mm-hmm. And it, it's always, it's always for me, it's always interesting to see. Um, the political environment of different nations, because I'm obsessed with right. obviously politics yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but not just American politics, because American politics, I can get into that how ridiculous, whatever. But <laughs> but it's also like I've learned a little bit throughout last year and throughout the year before, throughout these past two years, especially with Brexit, especially with all that. Mm. But specifically with Ireland, right. how many crazy political things have happened in Ireland from like separations of different Irish states from like. Um, different interpretations of conservatism and liberalism of Republican and all this stuff that takes place in Ireland. And and it's a very divisive political nation that has a lot of pushback with Britain, obviously. And, and it's always interesting to see a film about something that's not about where you're from. I don't know if that's what you get too from it. Because every yeah. time I see that, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Because I, I, I'm so used to seeing an American perspective that when I see an Irish perspective... It's interesting too, and it's also interesting coming from a director like Steve McQueen, right? Jumping he's, into the Irish world. He's British, I yeah. mean, if I'm not mistaken, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's from, from London. So he's from London. Yeah, but he's taking on like this Irish story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think this movie's fascinating. Uh, they don't really dive too deep into the politics of the whole mm. situation. It's really more focused on the situation of these prisoners. And 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 let me just say that everyone says, everyone says that Twelve Years a Slave is hard to watch. This movie is hard. This movie oh, yeah. is gross. <laughs> This I mean, movie is like it's hard to watch on a scale of like, what is that? You're, yeah. I mean, like, what, one of the, one what of are the they first, touching? Oh, in the first shots is like them like rinsing down a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or the guy even yeah. walking into that cell. And yeah. You're just yeah. like you don't know what is like. It's all like gross inside stuff, and they uh, make it look so real that you're just like, I feel like I'm gonna throw up watching yeah, this movie. Yeah, yeah. It makes you kind of and it, like there's other scenes as well. Um, that make you feel like this is a gross out movie. If yeah. you're queasy in any way, you cannot. Well, I barely got through it in the yeah. sense of like how gross it was. This one's hard to for, watch for for a movie called Hunger. Sure does like take away your appetite. Yeah, <laughs> it really it really does, man. But speaking of that, that the the title of the movie, it's essentially a hunger strike that takes place within a prison, and and Michael Fassbender is the leader of that hunger strike. And Mike, Michael Fassbender, if you want to talk about physical transformation performances mm-hmm. michael fassbender i've heard i've heard before um from tom hardy and stuff that that when he was in school with michael that michael was super method mm. like he would actually like take like months at a time if he was playing like a cripple and just live in a wheelchair for like six months eight months yeah. or if he was playing something else do that i i totally believe that michael fassbender did not eat anything <laughs> while making this movie oh yeah because yeah. he looked like he hasn't eaten anything and it's not like that crazy like cgi stuff that they do nowadays like they did with Peta in the hunger games movie oh right 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 you know that when they make him super skinny yeah this is that without the cgi Mm. (laughs) like he really physically destroys himself in this movie and it's not part of it is like the skinniness of it and the you know the malnutrition but part of it too is like the physicality of it like Mm -hmm. when they're beating on him 
that yeah, that no, looks that's a gruesome scene. That looks yeah. that looks real. That, that looks like they actually were like, "Hey, how about let's just beat him up?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then he will he'll act and pretend he's getting. No, it's like no, let's just beat the crap out of Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. so it can be even better acting. Right, right. Because <laughs> when right. they're drowning him in the tub and all that stuff, yeah. and it's like, dude, that looks like they're doing it. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he really gives a, a performance where realism is something that Steve McQueen really wanted to accomplish with this movie because mm-hmm. it feels real it feels almost doc real like documentary style real Mm -hmm. where you really do feel like this is some gross terrible stuff that's going on right now yeah and it's 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 disturbing but it's it's essentially the purpose of it is to show how far like to me my favorite part of the movie is is the conversation that one shot conversation that he has with uh liam cunningham Mm -hmm. who plays uh sir davos seaworth of game of thrones Shout out to Sir Davos. Hey. Um, but that one shot when he's having the conversation with the priest, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And yeah. it's all dialogue. Yeah, and it's just, just one long, one take. long yeah. take. Just like 17 not, minutes. Non-moving yeah. camera. Yeah, is it 17 minutes? I think it's like 17 minutes. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like that, yeah. that to me is like amazing. Just back and forth dialogue, them introducing each other, getting to know each other, then talking about the political atmosphere, talking about the human body, talking about his life, talking about where he's come from. Like you get an entire life story out of that one scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all acting. And it's all dialogue and it's all just Michael Fassbender and Liam just going back and forth. Yeah. And that to me is just like that that's the most fascinating aspect to me. Besides the whole like you know, he hasn't eaten and he's super hungry and this is crazy and it's kind of gross. Right. I don't right, know what right. you think overall, but... No, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with, with your sentiment. I think particularly going back to that uh, beating scene that's kind of like a theme in, of all of McQueen's movies, like the showing you some violence but then giving you the rest and like a pl- implied violence too. I think that movie really highlights that. And I, and I think the whole idea of isolation is a key uh, when it is particularly in this film. Um you know, when talking about like the isolation in the prison, even though you have a roommate, how still lonely and visceral that is. Um, just like overall, the, the whole uh, notion of capturing incarceration, um, whether that be in Ireland or in, in in London, England, or in America, like the whole incarceration cycle, just sh- this kind of highlights how brutal um, that is, particularly during this time. Yeah. Um, so I think when they show you all of that, just nothing but more justifies the need for. Uh, a change and you know obviously the guy's like a irish republican or whatever so he comes up and like tries to fight for the for the hunger uh for the hunger crisis happening in, in the prisons i don't know it's just overall it's super fascinating to see um this kind of perspective given on uh something else like you said outside of the u.s so. yeah for me too it's also about um the filmmaking that he uses in this movie it's super quiet yeah. Um, besides that one scene we talked about, there's yeah. hardly any dialogue yeah. within this movie. A lot of it is just acting in the sense of, like you said, isolation yeah. and how that feels and how that, that sounds like. There's even moments where the sound is taken out of the movie, yeah. where he takes out sound in the movie. Um, and, and it just shows you um, very long takes, mm-hmm. uh, very still shots. Yeah. Very, very, the camera movement is very minimal in this movie. Right, right, um, right. There's even a shot where, where a guy's walking down a hallway and, and as he turns and makes his way and he darts towards the other hallway, mm-hmm. the camera is too slow to catch up to him. So it's slowly making its way down. Yeah. And then it just turns and it's a slow, super slow turn. I yeah. don't know if it, you yeah. know the shot I'm talking yeah, about. No, it's yeah. near the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But that that is kind of like super Steve McQueen style, making it super 
very long, deliberately yeah, slow, drawn out, drawn out yeah. still quiet moments mm-hmm. in all of his movies. Oh, yeah. But specifically with this movie, um, especially because it's, it's again, a, a smaller movie. It's an indie movie. So right. he wants to make it um, as efficient as possible mm-hmm. and take, take in everything that he's made in the movie and make every shot worth it, matter, have mm-hmm. weight to it. Kind of thing. I don't know if you've captured that as well as yeah, yeah, filmmaking no. style. Yeah, I know. And I think particularly in his use of long takes, um, like I said in the beginning, it, it really asks the audience to really pay attention and draw into like every specific detail. And a lot of times when you're using long takes, and a lot of times his long takes are wide shots. Sometimes you'll see um, long takes being like close-ups or you know tracking shots, all this. No, his are very long, very wide takes that you know you're really moistening in and a lot of times in film theory the idea of when you're shooting long takes um the audience perceives the time being longer and more drawn out because there's more for the eye to like you know look for and and stuff but um so that's why but but in in the same sense it also makes it go quicker because you're you're trying to capture as much information as possible so your brain's thinking at like a a faster rate um so it's kind of a mixture of both and in in using this film he kind of mixes both tones in this film and in all of his films, he mixes both the um, high, uh, the faster pacing of of uh, the processing of information by filling the scene with a lot of background information and foreground information, but also makes it feel really long and drawn out by the lack of action. A lot of times, particularly in Hunger, there's I mean that that hallway scene you're talking about. Yeah, I mean it's essentially you're you're, you're lingering on somebody like mopping a hallway. Um, for there's that one section of the film for like three minutes. Like, I know, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just like that, that kind of like that kind of lingering. It it, it makes you feel anxious, and, and like it makes you feel you, tense. Yeah, it makes you want to escape the situation. Same way that these prisoners want to escape uh, being being incarcerated. So mm-hmm. I think the filmmaking style really incorporates um, the inner psychological the inner psychological turmoil that these characters are facing. Yeah, absolutely. And and again. What I like about Steve McQueen is that every single one of his movies are essentially about, not just about the, it's about a man and how far they're willing to go, how far they've gone, mm-hmm. and, 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 and just how much the human spirit and how much uh, turmoil a man can deal with. We see that in Hunger, we see that in Shame, and we see that in 12 Years a Slave. And I love that that's his running theme. His right. running theme is overcoming situations or failure to overcome situations that are so daunting and so larger than life and so enormous and that's essentially what this movie's about with the hunger strike that he's going on attempting like again he's, he explains it in that scene i love that scene because he really right. he, he talks about his childhood and he talks about when he was pushed to the limit and how everyone his name is bobby sands um how everyone as a child were debating what to do with this injured guy i think that fell down a right that fell down a creek i mm-hmm. think is what it was and while everyone is debating this he said that all the kids were debating what to do with this injured guy and if they should kill him or if they should try and save him and 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 he said that the the attempted leaders or the people who consider themselves leaders were talking and talking while this guy was dying 
And w instead of just waiting for them to finish the conversation, I took the ownership and the leadership and I killed the guy by drowning him. Mm. And in that sense, everyone declared me the leader because they saw how far I'm willing to go. And then after that, he says, you don't get it. Like, that's how far I'm willing to go. Like, if I showed that as a kid, imagine what I can do as a man. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of all the themes that, that McQueen has in all his films. It's like how far a man is willing to go or how far a man has come and he can't overcome it. Right? So that's what I love about this movie because it's essentially, it, it's about the physical torture. Because there's that also that scene where they're explaining what um, a human being goes through when they're going through. You imagine dying of hunger? Like what yeah. a human being goes through when they die of hunger. Like the most disgusting way to die. Mm -hmm. Like just not eating anything. Your, right. your body just literally eats itself. Yeah. Eats itself, essentially. It mm -hmm. deteriorates to a point where it, it's a slow, excruciating death. And that's how far this guy is willing to go to lead this movement, to lead this strike, and to lead his political perspective. And, and that's essentially what all Steve McQueen's films are about, is about the human spirit and the human soul and a man's strength or lack of strength to overcome a certain issue. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene, that in Hunger, because that explains it a lot better than the first half of the movie where you're just grossed out. Because <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. when you're grossed out, you're like, what's the point of this? It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> You're like, no, I was eating. <laughs> but, uh, but for me, that, that to me is, is what Steve McQueen delivers in all his movies. Just one central person uh, tackling something that's bigger than them and their ability to tackle it. And just that battle, that inner battle that takes place. Yeah, no, I think the, the uh, contrast of the internal versus external um, lives and personalities is definitely an, an overlap into uh, a lot of his characters that he portrays in his films. I mean, I mean when you're talking about um, something like Hunger, he obviously has an agenda that he wants to push and he wants to uh, overcome and have and liberate these prisoners. But at the same sense, he um, is more of is more of a self-serving exercise to see if he can overcome his uh, his his isolation, overcome his own, you know. Uh, like inner struggle to uh, finding and rediscovering his place in this prison and, and the overall larger political cycle that's happening. Um, so I think that's really impactful and, and powerful. I mean, you talk about the idea of leadership in, in this, and I think that's also um, another prevalent theme in this. So just overall. I, I love that line, dude, that yeah. line where he said, like, when when everyone is, ta is, is debating on what to do, uh, it, 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 debating about what to do when it, uh, when it comes to life or death situations, that situation that you're debating might leave your hands. And mm -hmm. I thought that was so interesting because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's a, that's an interesting point. It's like you you you, you find a, a, I know this is an example, but I'm taking it from the movie, is that someone on the brink of death, and you're debating what to do with their life mm -hmm. instead of just taking a, an initiative because. If you're too busy debating something, maybe that choice will be taken from your hands and they'll right. just die on their own right. instead of just taking the initiative of saying, no, we're going to save him or no, we're not going to save him. Mm -hmm. So I thought mm -hmm. that was an interesting aspect of leadership mm -hmm. that he that he really brought about. But um, yeah, anything else on, on Hunger before we move on to Shame? I'm not. I mean, I said on Hunger, it's a great film, great introduction. Yeah, to if, you're not, if you're not queasy at all, we recommend watching it. If you're fine with Michael Fassbender, we recommend watching it. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's not for the faint of heart. No, absolutely <laughs> I'm not. telling you, man, I saw 12 Years of Slave. 12 Years of Slave is hard to watch, but I was like, yeah. this one's just gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's yeah. really hard to watch. But um, let's move on to Shame, um, because Shame is one to me that... I'm telling you, man, when I saw this movie, and I've said it a million times, but I'll say it again, I was blown 
the f away like i was just like what is this this is insane because i really did expect uh, if you if if i pitch you this movie or if i if i give you the log line of this movie it sounds kind of comedic it's like a sex addict is struggling to have too many sex with too many women mm-hmm. and it's you're like okay that sounds ridiculous it sounds yeah. like almost like a comedy yeah and what you get is one of the darkest movies yeah. that you'll see it's such a dark movie because when you hear the term sex addict it sounds comical and it sounds kind of goofy and it sounds something that's not real or something mm-hmm. that you're like, that's not real. That's just a guy who loves, you know, having sex with girls. And it's like, no, a true sex addict is, is someone who's in so much despair because they, they literally can't see anything past their addiction mm-hmm. or their feed to fill their addiction. They can't, com- they can't commit to helping their family. They, they can't commit to work. They can't, they can't do anything in their life because they're so addicted. Mm-hmm. And addiction in any aspect is going to destroy you no matter what it is, whether it be a drug or whether it be sex. And this guy dealing, his name is Brandon in the movie, um, dealing with, with uh, being addicted to sex to a, to a point of complete and utter destruction of his life and the life of everyone around him. And that, to me, is is what Steve McQueen delivered in this movie. And he, it's very raw. It's very real. Because, mm-hmm. there, again, it's a lot of long shots, a lot of long takes. A lot of a lot of it seemed... There, there's some moments, specifically with the date scene. You know the date scene that, yeah. that takes place? Yeah. That seemed almost... I might be wrong, and I'm probably wrong. But that seemed almost improv that mm-hmm. seemed almost like so natural to the point that I'm just like, I'm sure that he just left the camera on. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. like, talk, you're on a date. And he's like, yeah. what do you think? Oh, I don't know. Cool. Uh, so what do you like to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. seems so natural to the point that I feel like he has such a uh, sixth sense with, with Michael Fassbender that he knows what he wants him to say at certain moments. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm telling you, man, when it comes to acting as well, mm-hmm. his, his performance in this movie is what truly shows you how amazing Michael Fassbender can be mm-hmm. with different levels of emotions, with hiding emotions, with, with desperation, with, with feeling inner tor- turmoil and how you uh, emote inner turmoil. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like right. when you're dealing with something that's inside of you and you don't want to say it out loud, how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you express that on camera? And he expresses it to the times 10 on this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, definitely Michael Fassbender is... Um, to stand out here, and that's not to mention Michelle Williams. Michelle uh, Williams playing uh, his. She's sister. so good. Yeah, yeah, and I think that to me, she, she you know, Mike Fassbender is obviously a main character, but uh, Michelle Williams is almost like the, uh, like the cent, like the focal point of of, of mm. what's happening in these events. Because what it really is, I think, what Fassbender's character, he's dealing with another theme of like isolation and, and being alone and. Um, the movie's called Shame, so it's, it's literally about him being ashamed of his um, addiction. He's ashamed of being a sex addict, and um, but that's you know that's what fills him. But you know when Michelle Williams comes into the picture, it's almost kind of like a sigh of relief, like he might be able to be onto something that um, can can help him and can fix him. But ultimately, and we learn that she falls victim to her own kind of form of. Not necessarily addiction for sex, but addiction for attention, mm-hmm. right? She is really focused and motivated by people wanting to love her and desire her, and and that, um, and the fact that she goes to her brother to to look for that um, is is important. And I think that's why when we first meet, when we first meet the when they, the first the first time those two interact. Um, that whole scene takes place in the mirror, so it's like a, a whole like idea of like self reflection. They're essentially the same person with 
fight um, battling different demons. Um, so I think that the movie overall um, conquers and, and challenges a lot of our conventional ideologies when it comes to like sex and, and addiction to sex and, and nymphomaniacy and um, but just overall how uh, the uh, attend the um, the addiction to attention and the addiction to desire is almost just as um, prevalent and damaging too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's certain scenes in this movie that really stand out to me. One of them is the scene where um, <clears throat> Michelle Williams is hooking up with his boss in the next yeah, year, yeah. and he's going insane. Yeah. He's just losing his shit. Yeah. And you could see him kind of just like the ability to, to, to just go through so much like you don't know what to do you're so pissed you're so mm -hmm. you're, you're having a million emotions part of your emotions is to feed your addiction part of your yeah. emotions is you're angry at your sister for even being there yeah part of your emotions is that it's crossing over with your work life right and all these emotions are going inside brandon's head to the point where he's just like damn it i just need to run and he just goes yeah. on a run <laughs> well that's well that's what i mean that's him confronting his addiction for the mm -hmm. first time how his sex addiction uh, is like him is like him seeing that being you know being portrayed in, in his sister, mm -hmm. um, which is really heartbreaking. I know there's that whole theory online that um, that um, Michael Fassbender's character was his name Brandon. Um, Brandon, yeah, Brandon, and his, what's the sister's name? I can't even remember her name. Oh, I forget her name in the movie. Um, but like the the whole theory is that they uh, they both uh, come from a cycle of abuse from each of their parents um, in different ways, and then that's why they're both like like that to each other or the, there's another theory that you know maybe when um she, when she when the sister was young um brandon's character was like abusive to her that's why she's so clingy i don't know these these theories are just theories and but you know it's hard to like circumcise that with like facts from the movie um but it's just interesting to think that uh the uh their past cycles of of, of abuse and and matriculate into how they are as people now so yeah but what i like too is the fact that we see um someone dealing with a with a difficult moment in addiction mm -hmm. and he expresses that form in the form of running and obviously someone has who's a runner mm -hmm. I, I love seeing that on screen because you that's another long long take, take yeah. right that's yeah. a good five minutes mm -hmm. just him running for five minutes mm -hmm. and even him waiting for the for the cars to, go, to drive yeah. by and he's still just like still running and he's yeah. just in, in a moment where I love the score in that scene too, because mm. the score is very like precious and beautiful, yeah, but also classical. kind of classical, but also yeah. kind of disturbing some mm -hmm. stuff that's going on in his mind and him just expressing that form and that frustration and venting it in the form of another, another physical aspect, which is running, which is the most difficult thing you can do right. in athletics. And, and it's, it's such a interesting thing where take the, it's literally taking the edge off by putting yourself, your your physical body in a difficult position, which is obviously the form of running. I, I just love, I mean, to me, it's just so fascinating because it's just, it's so true and it's so real and it's so raw mm -hmm. that, that when you can't deal with something, you try to get away from it and you're literally running away from something, mm -hmm. physically running away from it and emotionally running away from it. Right, so that right, scene right. to me is just like Steve McQueen going ham, like right. just bawling and showing off. So I, I love that moment for sure. And, um... One of the things for me, obviously, that stands out in this movie is the spiral. And, and, and what, I know, what, I, what I mean by the spiral is the, the scene where he talks to his sister. And I don't want to spoil it in case you guys want to see it. But there's a scene where he has a, a fight with his sister. And 
when she tells him the concept of family, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. When she kind of explains to him, like, you're my brother, you're supposed to look after me, you're supposed to give me what I want, mm-hmm. because you're my brother, you're literally my family. Right. And he says, you know, that's not what the expectation should be. Mm-hmm. The expectation should be to be a better person and to give me what I want, and then you give me what what you want kind of mm-hmm. the thing like give and take give and take right versus just take 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 and he kind of just tells her that you're just a taker you just take anything you want and then after that fight he he slowly starts to spiral because here's a guy who lives his life mm. with with no connection and no relationship right. and with this idea of no marriage no relationship just pure sex everything mm. is sexual to him right so what what is going to happen to a point what is going to happen to a man who doesn't see relationships as beneficial to him when it comes to your sister? Someone you literally can't have sex with yeah. <laughs> because it's your sister. Right. You can't, he, here's a, a, a non-emotional guy, a guy who doesn't feel any emotion. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he needs the sexual advance to, or in order to get something from someone. Mm-hmm. So when his sister comes into his life, he doesn't see a purpose for her. So he pushes her away. And it kind of destroys his mind because he feels like, well, she's my sister, but I don't care. But she's my sister, but I'm, and it's this weird back and forth battle that he has of like, what do I do with someone that I should have a relationship, but don't have a relationship with? And it spirals into the whole, like looking for the prostitutions and getting into that ring and then push, pushing his sister away, ignoring her for like a day or two when Mm -hmm. he just disappears and he just goes ham. Remember that last, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. To the point that. It literally like destroys her sister, and and, yeah. and it's one of those things where he starts to realize like his actions have consequences. Right, 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 right. Now I think that's 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 uh, prevalent and and an important piece of this movie is understanding how the relationship that he has with his sis is what he uh, longs for. I guess um, well, not what he longs for is what he what he what he longs against. Like what he doesn't really want. He wants, um, like you said, just frivolous sex. He wants you know. To just be be hook up with whatever and just leave him leave him to the side. But I think when his sister starts to come in and challenge and make him stretch outside of his comfort zone, uh, that's when like he, he starts to push his away. He snaps. Yeah. He basically snaps because he, yeah. he doesn't know how to respond to that. Right. Right. Because he doesn't know how to have a, an emotional relationship. He only knows how to have a physical relationship. Right. So when someone that he can't have an, a physical relationship with comes into his life, he's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. I, I just literally just want to get rid of you. Right. And then it's also, I mean, she's also a very damaged sure. individual too. And her, her whole thing is... Not being able to understand that being dependent on other people is not necessarily a good thing. Um, she's so dependent on everybody else, uh, where she doesn't know how to drive, she doesn't have a place to stay. She uh, she's messy, and I, I think that's another thing. She's so messy and unorganized and so out there. Whereas even though Brandon's a sex addict, he's also very OCD. So he's very he's, he keeps his place very clean. Um, he's very like organized and all that shit. So. Their clashing of personalities really leads to something, you know, that's the central conflict, I think, that's this entire story. And, you know, the fact that he has to confront that constantly um, throughout and while confronting himself about what he feels shameful of. And ultimately, it's just like a cycle, you know, no matter how... No matter how close he is to being fixed, and no matter how close he is to developing an actual relationship with his sister, is always just going to devolve back into um, what he's addicted to. So it's yeah. very like it's very like problematic and very um, very sensitive subject material they're dealing with. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll finish up by saying um, 
the thing that stands out the most to me is the final, the final, the final shot of the movie. Yeah. The final shot of the movie when he's when he's walking towards the camera in the rain, mm. um, and he and he breaks down. Mm. That that to me is like a master class of acting, mm. like just straight up master class. When you see the, the the every every bit of emotion, everything that he was keeping inside of himself, just slowly come to the surface to the point of just complete and utter, just like. You haven't cried like that since you were a baby. Mm-hmm. Like he just literally breaks down so much where he's mm-hmm. slowly just breaking and breaking and breaking and realizing everything that he's done or failed to do. And it just comes out in a very slow, you know, uh, destruction of, of himself in the inside where he just feels right. all these emotions bubble up to the surface. And then he just breaks down and just like hysterically crying mm-hmm. just hysterically mm-hmm. when you see Michael Fassbender cry like a baby, it breaks your heart. Right, right, <laughs> You're straight right. up like, yo. Damn, <laughs> that hurts. Right. Because it, you feel that that level of acting and that type of emotion that he gets is just so raw and so real mm-hmm. that it really goes to show the what 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 Steve McQueen has to do to get these kind of performances from people. Because think about it, all three of his movies, man, he gets Oscar level performances from every one of his actors. I think Fassbender's Oscar level in this. I even think Michelle Williams is Oscar level in this movie. Mm-hmm. And and same with Hunger and obviously Twelve Years a Slave because it did give some Oscar level performances, Oscar wins for people. Right, right. So right. for me, it, it it it's always the the main purpose of every director in every single one of his movies isn't the shots, mm-hmm. isn't the 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 style. It's always about the actor's performance and the fact that Michael Fassbender pops like a freaking bubble in this movie of emotion Mm -hmm. just shows how good steve and michael work together right 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 um no yeah without a doubt i think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this is like how matched the performances are to each other um and how he's able to play like this duality of hiding his his uh private life but also trying to maintain and uphold like this public perception of himself that he keeps holding on to and how those two kind of clash and how his sister manages and helps him helps him kind of break that that line down but also still um builds a wall in between it in almost ways like a simultaneous thing so it's just it's just fascinating how they approach all of that yeah absolutely um let's move on to 12 years a slave 12 years a slave obviously is a movie that essentially made Steve McQueen uh, a household name as far as a director goes. It also gave a lot of actors their come up, mm. um, specifically Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Um, you could also make an argument for Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ford. I mean, obviously he was he, in... He was in, he, was, he was in the business for a long he time. He was in a business for a long time. I knew him yeah. mainly from Serenity. Serenity, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like the cool guy from Serenity. I knew him from... Um, Children of Men. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah. But but essentially, Twelve Years a Slave was this kind of it kind of swept the Oscars that year. Do you, do you know like what wins did it take? Yeah, it won Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, um, Best Supporting Actress with Lupita Nyong'o, and I think Best Editing or something. Did, like that. Did did Chiwetel win for that? No, he didn't. No, okay. that was the the who who I think that was Leo was Leo nominated? No, that wasn't Leo's win. This was 2014. Um, 2014. Uh, 20, or yeah, 2013. It came out 2013, but, but the 2014, 2014 Oscars, Oscars. Yeah. I think it's three Oscar wins were Best Supporting Actress, Best Picture, and Best uh, Adaptive Screenplay. That was also the year Gravity came out. So Gravity took a lot of the technical Oscars, including Best Director, Best Cinematography, uh, Best Visual Effects, Best Editing, Best Cinematography, all that stuff. Um, but like when, in terms of... Uh, Matthew McConaughey, I think. Oh, for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, Chuita Ajifor brought something special to this role. And I think overall, this movie, 
um, had a real impactful like look at American slavery and how uh, and I think the biggest I think the biggest reason this movie's successful honestly is and maybe maybe is speaking you know candidly or whatever but I think part of why um, a lot of people found relation to this outside of like the black community is because the idea of this starting off with a dude who was already free and being kidnapped and going into slavery. You know what I mean? A lot of slave stories we are most familiar with are slave stories of people who were born in slavery or just were taken over to the ships. This is a dude who lived a free life and they show you the free life up front and then that taken away from them. Honestly, I think that's the biggest fear for a lot of people is having, is going as like being recued back into um a system of 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 slavery and in a lot of cases indentured servitude but mostly slavery in the context of this movie so yeah absolutely. I think that's why i connected with a lot of people yeah it's the concept of like uh, how you can move to one part of the united states and it's a completely different world to another part of the united states right yeah. it's the, it's the whole idea of like a black person in 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 this new york area mm-hmm. is like whatever and, and a black person in the south is automatically just a slave right like you're right. you're 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 a slave or you're a runaway slave but you're still a slave right where they, they, free people didn't exist in the south and mm. during that time it was only in the north yeah. so that 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 whole idea of like literally two different worlds of what one perception can be of a person which is a black person in this right. case i mean that's just insane that's yeah. insane how how ingrained in hardcore racism the south was to the mm. point that there is no such thing as a free a free black person is like you're kidding right that doesn't exist right right like, that's right. ridiculous right no and i think that's part of of the reason why that true to Adria 4 brings like a different type of performance to this than we've seen in a lot of slave movies a lot of times slaves are portrayed as like uneducated unable to read unable mm. to do all this he comes off as very educated and very knowledgeable and very able to speak to the same level as uh his masters and and the owners um to which, you know, that's not a portrayal we see a lot in the media. Uh, a lot of times, if somebody's speaking up to their master or, or their owner or whatever in a slave movie, it's a media like, like beating, but he kind of swoon talks a lot of the people around him, and like with Michael Fassman's character or Paul Dano early on in the movie, mm-hmm. he had that like big fight with, but ultimately that really led to um, him being like hung uh, at the end of like that chapter of that story. Sure. Um, but it's just like it's it's crazy to see how, you know, um, and maybe this is this is where a lot of people criticize the movie of how um, portraying um, how portraying this dude um, in such an intellectual way uh, and how he's able to like escape in the end um, through um, his his being able to like um, talk to the Brad Pitt character and like give him a full understanding of his freedom and all that stuff. So it was interesting how how this in comparison to, like other slave movies. Um, has like almost a different kind of spin on it in a way, but also still goes really harsh in the brutality of like of slavery in the American South. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about a little bit of what the controversial perspective was on this movie or the counter perspective was on this movie when it comes to yeah. the white person, right? Because yeah. it's it's that concept of like if it wasn't for the good white guy, yeah. he still he probably wouldn't have gotten his freedom. If it wasn't for Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. character <laughs> of being like the progressive white guy who's like, I think black people are cool. Yeah, they shouldn't yeah. be slaves at all. And then he kind of tells him his story and he's like, all right, I'll help you out, man. And if it wasn't for him, he'd still be a slave probably. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like the white savior kind of. Is it, yeah. was that, that was a criticism, that's, that's right? That's one of the big criticisms yeah. for it. Yeah, and I think that's What do you think of that though? 
Um, I mean, because I want RB 3s perspective. I mean, I don't know the exact full full history of of this. Sure, that's the other point too, because it's a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to criticize a true story when it's like, no, that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that happened in the true story. Yeah. If that did, it's like okay. They're just telling a story. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also criticism of like other historical inaccuracies too. But I think to me the the one of the big criticism that that comes out of this movie, and I think uh, it's probably the one that I'm a little more iffy on in terms of like agreeing or disagreeing is with the whole uh, idea of a British director and British actors um, coming in and doing a movie about American slavery and having that be like the flagship slave movie, right? Um, the best picture winner and all that stuff. Um, meanwhile, where there's movies like Roots, I don't know if Roots was directed by a black guy or or not, but um, I, don't I don't think it is. But that's more that's more. I think for a lot of people, I mean, I guess people growing up in that generation of seeing Roots on TV, that's for a lot of people the more definitive tell of racism, given that it's like so and drawn out and like long and all that stuff. Well, that isn't Roots' show though. Yeah, it's a show. Yeah, yeah. So, but well, it's slightly different than a movie. Well, though. miniseries. Um, but yeah, but in terms of in terms of showing slavery in, in a media standpoint, I think that's where a lot of people, whereas 12 Years a Slave has more of like a, I feel like a crossover appeal where it's able to reach a lot more people. I think it's a brilliant movie, but I mean, I'm speaking... Um, more people in what sense? More people, more white people. <laughs> you know you what I mean? Roots, you don't think Roots reached a lot of white people? It did, but it doesn't... Because I think it did. <laughs> it did, but I, I definitely think it, 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 it... Let's put it this way. What what other like slave movie really got the same kind of Oscar attention besides Django and besides like Twelve Years a Slave? Um, there's not really a lot. Not but, a lot. No. Yeah. So, but in terms of but you gotta you gotta realize too. But this there's not a lot of slave movies or there's not a lot of movies in general that got Oscar attention from a black director in general. Yeah. But the fact that it does come from a black director is rare within itself. Right. 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 Well, that's that's a lot of people's criticism of it is that it's a black British guy. Who's not from America? Who doesn't have the same history with slavery? And considering like England's place in the triangle sla- in the uh, uh, slave slave um, triangular slave trade, uh, it, it comes off as problematic. Now, I don't have a problem with it necessarily, and I think this movie's brilliant. But I'm just kind of saying how some people have problems with that fact. Sure. Uh, that being said, though, I think it's a harsh reality of slavery and the way it portrays that is probably the more uh, is probably the 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 greater part of this discussion because even though it's not an American director and not American stars, it still overall highlights how how um, gruesome and how brutal slavery is, and it kind of puts audiences in the backseat. I want to I want to hear you more about that, man. Because for yeah. me, I've always I'm not black, so I can't really say much about it. So, yeah. but I've always found that fascinating because I've talked to a buddy of mine. His name is Jarvis, and he's. He's uh he's been in, he was in the Walking Dead video that that, yeah. that I did a reaction of with Glenn right. dying in the Walking Dead but I've always talked about that because for me I, I I don't I don't understand it because for me I, I Daniel Kaluuya right da- yeah. think of Daniel Kaluuya and Get Out he's in the biggest movie right now that's going on in the Oscars and that's Get Out he's a British guy um yeah. Chiwetel Edgy Ford Idris Elba all these British black guys the guy from uh, The Wire that I always forget his name he's British too mm-hmm. um. There's also um, the girl who's playing, uh, or the girl who played uh, Shuri in, in the uh, Black uh, Panther. Letitia, Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. She's yeah. British. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of Black Panther recently, and, and I was thinking about John Boyega. John Boyega, who's a British black guy, too. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, again, I saw his uh, his Instagram, and I was watching all these British black guys 
come out. There's, I mean, they come from, they're straight up like the David Oyelowo, like another one. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of British black actors and I feel like they, they feel like they have a place too because they're still black. I mean, it's not like there's no racism in England. I mean, England is pretty racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of crazy white people there that think, you know, yeah. that, that they're pure blood, white, super Aryan race type racism. Like right, high right, level type right. racism there too. So it's not like there's no such thing as racism there. And it's not like there's, you know, th- this is my perspective, right? Mm-hmm. My perspective mm-hmm. is that black is black. Right. I also come from the Latino perspective, too. And there's a lot of black Latinos. And I feel like black Latinos get a lot of shade, unnecessary shade, to the point that they feel like it's always this self-identification thing where it's like, well, what are you, Latino or black? And it's like, I'm both, you idiot. Like, I, I, why can't I be both? Like, I don't get yeah. that. I'm black and I'm Latino. There's slave ships that went to freaking Latin America, too, man. Yeah. Like, that. that's still a part of of, of, of culture. And, like, like pe- just because people can be two things, black and British, black and Latino. It, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be black and American, right? I mean, I, I, that's my, my perspective on it because to me, discrimination is discrimination. And, 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 and although, you know, America has a bigger, wider history with it because America is legitimately bigger and wider. Like, it's such a big country that that's why so much has gone down here. But I do feel like there's other countries that can face similar shit or face different type of shit when it comes to racism or when it comes to being black right Right. because there's countries like the dominican republic which is black mainly black which is like 85 percent black yeah and white is the lower or like puerto rico which is like 60 40 black Mm -hmm. and or or something or like haiti or haiti right because that i don't know to me it it, it becomes difficult when people start shutting other people because they're from other countries right Uh, that's my perspective though when you're just like wait wait you're black but you're haitian so or you're black but you're puerto rican and it's like well really i mean they're still black yeah (laughs) that's my i don't know that's me that's my 10 cents no no I mean, I'm 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 with you on that, um, and I think that's you know, I think the African American or the African experience in just in, in general countries um, is is you know is almost universal because of the long history of slavery in the, in in the world, not just in the United States. Um, but that being said, I mean, particularly with speaking on something like Twelve Years a Slave, that's so distinctly American, and that's so about American slavery. Um, having a, a British voice kind of come in and and doing his his spin on that, uh, a lot of people see that as problematic. Again, I don't have a problem with that, but I think that's where uh, the discrepancy of having would they um, prefer it if it was a white American? No, and I think that's where I kind of fall. This is like, would you rather see a because I don't get that like well, white people do it and it's like it's cool. Well, see, but, but then the, see, but then the, these are the same people who have problems with Tarantino doing Django or people who have. Problems with you know um, the guy who did uh, the help. I don't know what, was, what the oh, guy's name is. His name, yeah. um, but another another white white homie doing doing something like that, uh, as opposed to you know, and again maybe not uh, American uh, uh, African American directors are having the same opportunities to do these kinds of uh, movies. But if you have somebody who's American doing something like 12 Years a Slave, how different would that be stylistically, and how different would that portrayal be? Um, and how and how distinct uh, and how the distinct American experience um, influences um, the difference in, in, in our in our portrayal and exile and slavery. Now, for me, I don't pers- I don't really like seeing slave movies at all. Um, not because they're too gruesome or anything. I just think that's a lazy way of making a black movie. Sure. Um, and, and we've talked about that before. Right? Yeah, in our yeah. in our last episode. Yeah. Um, 
and but so I think but I think in the case of Toy Your Slave, I think this is almost kind of to me it's almost like a definitive portrayal of slavery because it, it shows like the contrast between freedom and 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 um and and being slavery. enslaved. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, and to me I think that's where that's where the pop why the popularity is there because it shows it will show, like for example, a free white person how it would be to have that taken away from you and being put into slavery, and how that how that would. I think that's why it connects for a lot more for a lot of other people, um, and I think that's why Stephen McQueen made that story when he was originally putting together this story. He wanted to tell the story of an American dude who was uh, who who was free but then kidnapped, but he didn't know that it was like based on a true story. So like his wife brought him the autobiography of of uh, of Solomon Northrum. And he read that and ultimately adapted that into the into the screenplay. Um, but in terms of like addressing, listen, I know that's a big that's a problem that a lot of people have, not just in the black community, but just in the in America in general, is the idea of like British actors playing American parts. Um, Samuel Jackson spoke out against that. Yeah, I know, and Daniel ago. countered him, and I think Daniel's counter was pretty solid. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw Daniel's counter. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I agree. Um, but I also think that there is something to be said about um, the distinctly American experience being played into parts that are distinctly American. Um, but I, I think in the case of 12 Years a Slave, that's not really a problem. And I think that having... And, and 12 Years a Slave mix, mixes up the, a lot of the cast, right? It's not like all the cast is British, is it? Like, no, no not, so majority of the cast isn't British. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, Chiwetel. Chiwetel Well, Benedict and... and, and yeah, yeah, oh, but there's, you know, I'm, and, I'm talking about like Michael, mostly Afri- the African-American mm, cast. Um, the, the majority of them are, are African-American. Yeah, I mean, Lupita is what, Mexican and Mexican, Nigerian, yeah. so <laughs> she's a whole different, different thing. Different, different perspective there. But yeah. no, I mean, for, for, for me, I, 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 see, I see the whole, in, uh, in terms of, Anybody should be able to tell any kind of story they, they really want to. Yeah. Um, and what I, what do you feel as far as like Sam Jackson's comments though? Um, I mean, I get uh, I get specifically with taking American parts. I mean, I get where he's coming from, um, but at the same time, I don't think you're taking any parts from anybody. I think if you can act, you can act, and um, and I think that you it, it, I think as long as you're playing something general. I mean, I, I don't know. That's 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 kind of the problem with this whole idea of of being so specific with representation, right? I mean, if if you really want to get to the nitty gritty of it, should it, speaking on Black Panther, should uh, an American Ch- uh, Chadwick Boseman be be playing an African king when he's, you know, he he might have been in Africa sure at some point, but he is not African, you know. Uh, but Wakanda is a fictional country, so does that really constitute you're not going to cast a Wakandian, right? So, I mean, there, there, there's different levels, I guess, to it. To me, I, I kind of fall more on the side of let, let, let the actors be the actors as long as they're playing, as long as the casting is respectable enough to understand, like, not whitewashing or not putting on blackface and all that kind of stuff. But I think, um, to specifically towards Samuel Jackson's comments, I, I pretty much disagree with the whole idea of like, oh, British actors are taking American parts. But I do see, I do see the, I do see the other side of it though, right? I do see how some people can be upset by the fact that somebody who's not an American taking on distinctly American parts, particularly in something like Twelve Years a Slave. Um, I think Get Out's a little different. He was he was he was commenting on Get Out. He was talking about Get Out. I don't think I think that's stupid to comment on Get Out like that because I think the whole interracial thing is universal. Yeah, well, um, that, that's my issue too. Is like my issue. I already said it, but I feel like putting up putting up boundaries and borders and 
you know, you're not black unless you do this, or you're not Latino unless you blah, 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 and you speak at least five-minute conversation of Spanish. And, like, I feel like you, you get a little muddy. When you muddy the water so much and you get so obsessed with the details and saying, well, he's black, but he's British, so get get away. Only the Amer African-Americans can be over here, and then the black British over there, and then the black Latinos. I don't even know what you guys are. Like, when, when you start doing that, I feel like you start to limit your ability to connect on just a racial issue in general or a racial aspect or racial community in general. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, whether you're, you're black British or black American or, or Afro-Latino, or Afro-Latina, uh, it's all relatively like the same plight. You're ultimately feeling, uh, witnessing the same level of discrimination no matter where you are because of your skin color. And even, I mean, even in, and you know, a lot of people may make Canada out to be like this great, like great, great progressive place. But, you know, I've heard people talk about how the racial disparities in like Canada or like, and you know, we brought England who were, that is kind of known as as a racial place. Even you know, Idris Elba made comments about that too. Um, it's just in this, in when we're talking about Afro Latinas in South America. Uh, I mean, South. I mean, I think Brazil is uh, was the largest slave uh, slave slave region um, for the longest time, even way bigger than America. And there's still a lot of parts of of the country that still are are dealing with slavery to this day. In fact, I think there's more slavery now than any other point in in American or, or any other point in history um, now today. Um, so I think that's that should be a, a focus that people address and 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 take uh, credence to. But uh, yeah, I mean, in in, t in terms of representation, I'm I'm glad to see that a movie like Twelve Years a Slave can have such a wider um, Oscar push and approach. Maybe not because it's British, and maybe not because it's uh, dealing with freedom, but because it's also just like an excellent movie too. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest part of it for me is like um, we're we're celebrating a movie like that because it's, it it has great, legitimately like great filmmaking within, was particularly with Steve McQueen being the artist that he is. Um, you know, and 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 particularly in and speaking on on twelve years, the level, the detail to attention, and portraying how how um, how the how slavery is both brutal, um, but also how it from the other perspective, it could be like largely ignored and like not seen as as. Uh, as an important issue, I mean, there's a whole segment in the movie where Chuito's character Solomon, where he, w while he's free, he's shopping with his with his wife, and then uh, a slave like wanders in, and then um, his master's like, "Come on, boy, what are you doing? Get out of here!" And he and he says nothing. He's silent in that moment because he doesn't understand the, the same exact plight that uh, that a, a slave would go through. But now that he's experiencing that, um, that scene almost kind of comes back in a way where where when he's leaving and uh, Lupita's character Patsy. Um, is like left behind, and he kind of has. To, but from that, he learns that what, what, what slavery ultimately is, and what it means. So yeah, yeah absolutely, it's really tough. Yeah, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on kind of going back on it. What do you think of of, of Benedict's character and the fact that he's like kind of like the the nice slave owner, the right. nice uh, plantation owner who's like. He's a plantation owner. He buys slaves, but eh, at least he's kind of a cool guy. Yeah. What do you think of his character and, um, and the use of his character? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, because do, those those people actually existed, though. Like, that was real. There was actually 
plantation owners who would like like you meet uh is it angela bassett or who, um, no that? i know i know who you're talking about Who's she that? was in a uh, civil war yeah and, i forget um, her name but yeah, when you meet her, her character exactly. and she talks about like hey i have the hookup yeah you know i'm in the house i'm chilling mm-hmm. they treat me nice because i'm pretty mm-hmm. like that happened in, in when slavery was going on like that yeah. was a common thing where they would find like the pretty cool ones and they would like bring him in the house and treat him like family and treat him nice, right. essentially, right? No. Nice for being property, right? It's still right. disgusting and it's still inhuman, but it's it's one of those things that there was like different levels of different plantation owners. Someone like a Benedict and someone like a Michael Fassbender who just mm. hated them and wanted to beat him up every day. Right, right. No, I mean t- to me, uh, the Benedict's character almost kind of represents how um morally i guess ambiguous the slave slave trade was because at the same time you want to root for him because he's being nice but at the same time he still owns slaves he still owns slaves he's still not still not doing anything to benefit benefit these people and even when solomon tries to explain his story he's not he's not trying to hear that because he paid money for um, having him there and i think that i mean again i think it plays to a larger theme of this movie i think one of the big big themes of this movie is how um, religion and the Bible thumping is used as justification for slavery, um, and that's kind of what Bendix's ca- character comes down to. He, you know, he he keeps pounding the Bible into his slave's head, um, believing that that's gonna uh, believing that that motivates them to un- and justifies their 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 slavery and being and being um, stuck in that environment and, and being, being submissive and being too. submissive. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think that's where his character. Um, even though he's shown as like a decent man, he's still not really participating in decent activities. In fact, he's probably doing just as much work as Michael Fassman, the character, is just in a different way. Yeah. Um, I love that that moment too when, when Solomon talks to, I forget her character's name, but the lady who lost her family in the beginning. Oh, uh, Eliza. Eliza. And yeah. when, when she tells him, she's like, you look at that guy like he's some sort of you know good guy. He's still freaking separated families and bought Mm. slaves he's still a slave owner he doesn't care about you you're just cool property that he bought he's like a really cool product that he thinks you're like cool because it's something that he bought but he still still doesn't care about you by the way i gotta say man watching this movie uh and watching it again for this podcast seeing paul giamani in it man that's right it, it, it 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 that guy's like a childhood hero of mine. Yeah. He's a childhood hero of mine. And seeing him throw around the N-word like it was a dirty rag, ah, it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. A lot of actors say it you know, in a lot of movies, but for, for me, Paul Giamatti, what was that, Big Fat Liar? Yep. Oh, man, that's, that, was my, that, was my, that was my movie as a kid. Yeah. Seeing, seeing that, I was like, ah. This hurts. Did you, you did know? you, uh, this is, no, I'm not going to even say this. Wait, wait, no, go ahead, go ahead. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm open to say stuff, but do you feel like a certain way when certain actors say it, and do they say it different ways in order, as far as their characters? Yeah, you, you, you tell when actors aren't comfortable with saying it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that's kind of what I meant. <laughs> yeah, you, you, they're, yeah. They're like, they're like mm, they like whisper it and yeah, stuff, or yeah. they're like, they don't pronounce certain aspects of the word, like yeah. the R or the A. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is there some, did you notice that in this movie? I uh, Brad Pitt. With, Brad had, like Pitt. the hardest time. <laughs> that was the first thing I noticed when his character, yeah. he's like, oh, I don't want to say it here, but like, you yeah. say I mean, whatever you want. Yeah, but he just, he had a super hard, I think he had a super hard time saying it. Um, and I think there, I think it's, it's funny. I think 
Leo and Django. Leo, yeah. Yeah, he uh, some some parts you could tell he had a hard time, but then like when he when he like when he got comfortable. Yeah, when he got comfortable, when he had like those violent like that scene where and, and Jane, we're not talking about Tarantino right no, now, but we're not. that scene where he breaks his where he breaks the glass yeah. on his hand. Like I think he, at that point it's like convincing and it starts to become more and more convincing to a point, but uh, but yeah, that you could definitely tell when actors, and I think even to I think Paul Giamatti, even though he's like saying it a lot, I think he's even a little uncomfortable saying it yeah. too. And I'm like, who's right. the most comfortable saying? <laughs> oh, Fassbender is <laughs> <laughs> definitely comfortable. <laughs> he said it the most. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah, said it the yeah. Mo- out of the white characters, he said it the most. Oh yeah. Well, doubt, out of, yeah. out of any characters, I think he said it the most. Oh yeah. No, dude, absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, he he definitely. Uh, but I think that that also Sarah comes- Paulson's in this movie. Sarah Paulson. Shout out to yeah. Sarah Paulson. My my. My, my love, my life. Oh, that hurts too. She was so Sa- racist Sa- in this movie. Yeah. Oh, she was so Sarah racist. Paulson's my girl, man. I love her. <laughs> she was so bad, but yeah. then she is also. I mean, I love her for American Horror Story, obviously, and and, yeah. and uh, the the OJ. OJ yeah. yeah. Um. But she was. Uh. She was. She was really violent she was rough in, this in this movie. Um. There's not really a lot of like white allies in this film that you will see well, in, in a lot of cases. Brad Pitt. Was... Brad Pitt definitely, but he's you know. I mean, that's... What do you think of that Brad Pitt, who's the producer of this movie, by the way, at Plan B Productions, what do you think that... A lot of credit to him, too. Yeah. But what do you think that he's he put himself as, like, if I'm going to play any character, it's the character <laughs> that saves the, the black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I saved the day. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think that's kind of funny. I, I didn't even... Because there was a lot of criticism. Remember that when yeah, that came out? It's yeah, like, of yeah. course, Brad Pitt has to play the, the white guy who yeah, saves the black people. The hero at the end. Yeah. I didn't even... Look, I didn't... Watching it both times I saw it, the first time I didn't even know he was in the movie. He just yeah. showed up. Second time, like rewatching a hero, I was like, "Whoa, he's in this movie!" Yeah. And like, and then just immediately, like, all came back. Like, wow, oh yeah, he definitely is kind of like the white, the white savior. Savior, here. yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, listen, he got the movie made, so I'm not gonna be too mad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Film got made and won Best Picture. Let's let's celebrate that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely do think it's a little like crazy and out of pocket that like yeah. <laughs> he uh, he 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 cast himself as that part in particular. But, yeah. Um, I think it's also, and again, maybe it's like the least amount of times the N word was said by a white character in this movie. Yep. So it's like, all right, let me just take this part. Because <laughs> didn't he adopt like a bunch of like African children too? Like I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, got got put something on for the kids. <laughs> um, I yeah, I think I think this movie overall though is brilliant. I think all the performances make a lot of sense in in the sense that. Um, you get the contrast between like pain and sorrow, but also some of the um, more humanistic moments. I shouldn't say lighter, more humanistic moments, um, particularly between um, Chewy Tell and Lapita mm-hmm. um, early on in the film. Not early on, like later on in the film. They have some good back and forth in their conversations. It's still like dark and dreary, but it's more showing like the 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 side of, of, of slavery that um, that a lot of people don't talk about is like how how it was so bad for Lapita's character. She she just wanted she just wanted him to, to kill her. And and like and and he and he can he couldn't confront that kind of pain and sorrow within himself. Um it's just crazy how that Well yeah I was thinking about that too because I, I rewatched this movie as well. And, and and thinking about the women slavery. Yeah how yeah. it kind of was worse. It's for worse the women. Yeah. Because you, you could say like man I was beat to death and I was beat 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 until mm. blah 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 picking cotton and she's like yeah I was beat and raped. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. worse. Yeah. Because it's like you get the beating with the whips and all that, but mm-hmm. you also get raped, which is disgusting and awful and 
horrible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not that the men weren't raped either. They probably were. Yeah. But the women were probably raped more often. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just like awful. And that's why yeah. she, she was the hardest working one of them all because she just didn't want to be raped anymore mm-hmm. by Michael Fassbender. Remember right. that? When she would pick more, well, she more did cotton like out of anyone. 500 pounds a time. 500 pounds, yeah. which was more than any man uh. because she just felt more desperate than any man because she just didn't want to be raped. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just awful thinking yeah. about that. It's just yeah. like, holy shit. And her, her performance... Because I was rewatching it because she won the Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it, you're like, yeah, yeah, she definitely deserved that Oscar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Specifically for a, few, for a few scenes towards the end. But you're just like, damn, it's hard. It's definitely hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard to watch. And um, it, I think going into the character psychology of like the Michael Fassbender character, who is a dude who, who is agonizing for control. Um, and that's why he cares so much about uh, Patsy being his slave. Um, that like he because he he has nothing but control over her where whereas his sister played by Sarah Paulson his sister played by Sarah Paulson is uh, very very controlling of him very authoritative and tells him exactly what to do I'll beat this slave I'll do this do that um, and she, and he feels like he's under her her thumb so the fact that he has uh, a lot of black people under his thumb is what satisfies him um on a character level i think that's the same with a lot of the characters we see in this movie with paul dano paul dano paul dano is it paul dano paul dano paul dano yeah his character has the same kind of control issue as well and i think that's ultimately at the end of the day what a lot of slavery is it's just people who are hunting for control and uh, who feel like oppressed under their slay or under their southern thumbs of of you know all that kind of stuff but there was also the aspect of like the bible thumping too from my right. fassbender character assuming right. that it was like this is biblical stuff that mm-hmm. we're doing we're doing the lord's work by making slaves and by making them submit to us this kind of whole thing right 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 no i think that's that's the biggest aspect of it and how um the, taking the bible out of context is is uh and using that to motivate such a such a deadly sin um, and even even uh, Ch- Chewy Tell even says that as much in, in this in this movie is like um, he he calls him out for it like you one day you're gonna pay for all these sins like there's no sin you know uh, because what he believes is doing um, is is according to the Bible but I mean at the end of the day um, I mean at the end of the day the the brutality of of what we see in this movie. I think is the biggest part of it. I think using all like the super long takes that they use throughout this film uh, really, really and that's all, all Steve McQueen too. Yeah, yeah. The scene, the one that stands out the most, obviously, is when he's yeah. being hung. Being hung, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a shot of him just freaking struggling to freaking survive for the mm-hmm. next like five minutes or whatever to when his uh, master gets there. Right. And it's it's just like you're like. This is insane, but that—that's right. kind of the genius of Steve McQueen mm-hmm. and of his long takes that he did in Hunger and in Shame, and now in Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, that it really stands out, and you really see that too. Mm-hmm. Also, I want—I want to make a quick uh, comment on the score. Mm-hmm. The score, specifically, specifically the 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 ship scene. It's oh, like yeah. a horror movie score. Yeah. It's literally like don 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 don, and it's like. Mm-hmm. They're going to their death, kind of, and they're and they're right. literally in a horror movie mm-hmm. when when the ship scene is happening when he's sailing to the south. Right. I, I don't right, know if you right. noticed that too. Rewatching. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, the super intense like camera angles they mm-hmm. use there too. Yeah. The way it's like framed definitely makes makes the um, on ongoing fear of like terror and like um, like you said horror uh, for for these individuals involved is is really heartbreaking. Um, and I think particularly in, in the scene where where 
um, Lapita's getting like whipped at the end of the film. Um, that's another long take too. Oh. I didn't even know it was a long take. When that I was first probably the hardest it. to watch, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because and the the lack of music there, but like the subtle, it, it was almost kind of like musicality to the way the whip was being like mm. being hit and like how how that sound effect and the sound effects in this movie. Um, sometimes they're so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about that that boat scene, how the the propellers mm-hmm. like, and uh, and the whips, the way the whips are used, and everything is just like um, using the sounds to emphasize like this implied violence, um, and just hitting you harder and harder each time is 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 is, uh, is mind blowing to me. Yeah, it really is a commentary too on how how it's crazy how relevant and how intense slavery was in the south mm-hmm. like the south is just obviously I, I mean i don't i don't know too much of the south as far as like living there because i've never lived there besides texas but i live more border town which is different mm-hmm. um but how deeply ingrained racism was in there in that area i mean mm-hmm. the fact that even when slavery was done how much how how like behind they were when it comes to like certain racial issues how behind they still are how behind they still are till this day yeah i mean till this day like alabama and georgia and and florida and and shout out to all you guys i love you guys i obviously they're great states but Mm. how difficult times some some individuals in yeah some individuals in those states had a difficult time because of so much heritage and history that comes from slavery and how their parents and their grandparents parents and all this stuff were slave owners and stuff and it just so ingrained in there to the point of like it's crazy. It's just absolutely insane. That yeah. that to me really really stands out for sure. And uh, I was gonna say something else about this movie, but I forgot. So you can comment on what I just said. <laughs> oh no no. I mean I I think that's a big part of it, and I think that even the people who don't appear to be racist are kind of racist uh, in this movie um, as well. I mean I don't. The whole scene where he's like captured and held in that cell, and then pans up is like the the White House in the background. Mm. Just it's like a great great metaphor for like how. Um, how our government and how uh, and how our systems kind of take take a blind eye to um, the bigger um, the bigger uh, the bigger social um, in, in inequalities and and injustices happening in our country. So yeah, I uh, just I remember what I was gonna say. Oh, what's that? I was gonna say um, the thing that kind of kills me in this movie too is like you said at the end when he says bye to Patsy. Yeah, and when you feel like you feel this in- intense need of like, can you free them too, please? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you're just gonna leave them there. Yeah, because <laughs> it really has. But he can't do anything about it. Like he yeah. legitimately can't do anything. That's like the scene earlier in the movie with Clemens when he was leaving, uh, and 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 uh, Solomon was like trying to call out to his name. Like don't leave like like solemn like Clemens Clemens help me yeah but, uh, but again it's, it's like literally he can't do anything yeah because you feel like wait a minute we've had this relationship you know mm-hmm. and and you see how much I'm suffering and and really <laughs> it's like right. you're gonna leave me hanging but obviously he can't do anything but that's how I felt or at least like are we gonna see like obviously this is me I, I rewatched this movie a couple days ago but I was I was like are we gonna see like freaking solomon come come back with like two pistols and start like blasting people left and right like jenga and it's like just psh, psh, and i was like right. can we please see that please so All michael right. fassbender can get his due because mm-hmm. he's got what's coming to him right mm-hmm. i mean can we have jango show up right <laughs> and right. take out michael fassbender please right. like that's what i was thinking watching this movie because right. i was like man you get you kind of get no justice there is and no even, justice even at the end when they There's say like, like the, the, the guys yeah. the guys got off free because mm-hmm. there's there's no justice like even at this point Mm-hmm. There was the only semi justice they got was that he got 
what he was initially due, yeah. which was his freedom. Yeah, and he got 12 years taken away from him. Yeah, because of for that. no reason. Yeah. that yeah. To, It's just devastating because you really want to see justice. You want to see people get their due. You want to see Fassbender go out. You want to see all the slaves freed. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that in this movie. Right. You just don't get it because it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That's not the kind of stuff you would see. Right. And right. that's just devastating because as someone who wants to see that, you're just like, damn it. I, I wanted to see Django show up out of nowhere. <laughs> he just comes riding in a horse and right, shooting people. Right, right. But um, yeah, I don't know. That that's the last word I had to say because to me, it's like at the end of the day, and you see this guy get his freedom back, you're just still like bitter because yeah. he just didn't see justice done. Yeah, no, I think I think this movie's marvelous. I think this is one of the um, best ways that you could tell this kind of story. Um, I know in the beginning I seemed like I was hating. I, I don't know why I started off like with hating. Yeah, 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 I don't know why I started off hating. Why you gotta be a hater every three? I, I think I just had those points and I was like, let me say this first. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know why. Um, but no, I, I think that's definitely. Uh, I think it's definitely one of the the the, the best, and I think that. Having the perspective of it being a, a, a British director or whatever, British actors, whatever, um, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I think as long as you get a, a story that um, impacts people and having and it, it can draw in all the kind of audiences that it draws in um, while still being uh, this heart-wrenching, um, true-to-form um, portrayal of slavery yeah. um, is, 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 is impactful, uh, no doubt. Um, and I think that overall, the cast, I mean, Jesus, how'd they get, like, Benedict Cumberbatch, mm -hmm. Paul Giamatti, Brad Pitt, uh, Chewy Till, obviously, uh, Mike Fassbender, um, Lupita Nyong'o, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson, like, all big stars. They are. are Paul all Dano, big. even Paul, Paul Dano. Paul Dano, yeah. Paul Dano's pretty big. Yeah, uh, but I think they shot this movie, I think, in, like, 16 days, That's and it was, like, crazy. one camera in, like, Louisiana. Um, and I think they, they really do uh, get a good sense of like place and feel and atmosphere throughout. So yeah, uh, I think it's still a very raw and gritty mm -hmm. movie where it feels very real. Right, right. Mm -hmm. No, if I doubt. So um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad this movie and it was very close to winning, being the first director to win best best uh, best first African American director to win best director. But yeah, and then get there yet. No. Um, Moonlight didn't get it either. That was close yeah. to. Um, but maybe one of these days, yeah. maybe Get Out be the the changer for Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but I, I think Del Toro's kind of Toro, had it in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but maybe well, hopefully soon we'll yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get director. I running. still think uh, again. I already made this prediction, but I'll say it again. Get Out's going to win Best Picture. <laughs> and I know that's whoa whoa. And I I know I get it. It's a right. crazy prediction, but I still feel it. I still feel like. It might happen, and I think it will happen. So uh, okay, hey. we'll see. All right, we'll see, and yeah. that'll be an Oscar for for Jason Blum. <laughs> Jason, Jason Blum winning Oscar. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'd be more than happy. I knew somebody uh, my school who, who interned for for Blumhouse. Yeah, um, and they loved it. So yeah. I'm there more, you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, that was our podcast on Steve McQueen. Make sure you guys leave a comment, support us, share. Um, please share this video if the, you liked it. The most politically edgy podcast <laughs> I think on the SK Plus Network. Hey man, <laughs> the hottest, the biggest show on the SK. Not the, man, wait, we're not, not the biggest show. Stuff. Okay, okay. But still, we bring the most fire out of anybody. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to listen to everyone else. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. No, I think I think we I think we we definitely have the young woke sense of, of uh, that it's we not have. woke it's woke woke <laughs> um, I think we're woke individuals and yeah. I think we, we bring it 
expect the two-hour show. Hey, man. So make sure you guys support, share, comment, like, subscribe. Everything else, guys, support us. Um, I'm at Squad Leader Ace. It's uh, RB3 Schmo. So support us on Twitter and on Instagram and all that. We're going to be posting more stuff for you guys. And we appreciate you guys. We support you guys. And we are peacing out. And that was it for the Meeting of Podcast. Mm-hmm.